everybody. Um, probably sound not familiar to you because it's been a long, long time. Too long. Um, I guess Faiza and I could give you the regular spiel about how we're going to be much better and much more disciplined, which we no. are. But I think sure. at this point, sure. it's like the girls who cried wolf. And we've said this to you literally, I think, maybe every single episode. Um, so this time, maybe we'll save ourselves the embarrassment of the groveling and just let our actions speak. Yeah, because for right. real, this time we have a schedule and we're yes, going to stick to it. We have a shared Google Doc. It doesn't get more <laughs> official than that. Very, very, very fancy here. Yes. As you all know, because of our sound quality and our lack of a logo. Right. So. Super high <laughs> Only top-notch production. Here. Yes. It's the production um, so value is through the roof. Yeah, we're high-budget yep. enterprise. Uh, welcome back. We are the Femdementalists. My name is Bahag. My name That's is Spiza. You, <laughs> um, and we are... Shoot, what is What's our, our tagline? Phrase? It's something about, about weird, weird shit in the South Asian community. Weird shit in the South Asian community. There we go. Yes. There yeah. it is. Super professional. 2018. There it is. Um, okay, so it has been a really, 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 really long time since we've recorded um, almost a year, but who's counting? And obviously a lot has happened. I think the last time we recorded, we were talking about the election. It was a few months into the Trump era that has just continued to explode, implode. All of the both, posts. actually. I think um, they've managed to do both. <laughs> defy physics somehow um and there's just so many layers to all of that and the ramifications on society but that's not what today is about no we're gonna Um, talk about something super light and fun even more depressing (laughs) (laughs) always uplifting here on the fundamentalists right um so you would be hard-pressed to find a person who has not read something about the hashtag MeToo movement. And as we've seen it unfold over the past couple of weeks, I think it first started coming out in, like, October? Yeah, maybe even earlier Mm -hmm. than that. There were, I think, stories starting to come out at the end of the summer into September and then I think it picked up steam at the uh, right around the Weinstein um story which was yeah October right I think that was like the huge huge break and then from there it kind of steamrolled um so we're a couple months in and it's shocking but also not shocking um how it has like pervaded every industry right so from entertainment to religious figures to doctors with the Larry Nassar Nassar, um, Olympic doctor stuff. So it's just kind of all over the place. And it really does feel like a time of reckoning and um, just all this momentum that's been building up for decades, if not millennia, um, that's kind of all coming to a head now. So there it is. Yeah. Um, I obviously this is a long time coming. I don't think you would. I think it's it's initially when all the stories were coming out, it was so overwhelming because it was. I think I, I when you're so used to it, you become a nerd, right? You become like kind of 
desensitized to the amount of sexism, how pervasive it is. But I, I think I, you don't realize the scale of it. Like every yeah. one you know, every woman you know, has had some kind of experience where they what felt violated or unsafe. Has even accepted right. that it was that. Right. And, you know so, and what I, mean? I think it takes a really long time for women to process mm-hmm. what it is. And I think it takes a really long time for women to let other women process. Right. Because I feel like we're all so conditioned, men and women alike, I feel like we're all so conditioned for better or worse to think certain things are normal um, that it's really hard to break out of that. And I'm thinking specifically of like the Aziz and Sorry piece yeah. and the extreme backlash. Like I talked to some of my friends about it and they were like, well, why didn't she just leave? And I was like, holy shit, that's exactly the problem, you guys. That's exactly the issue here. It's not about her just getting up to leave. Yes, would the 100% rational, clear-minded thing to have done be to... That was grammatically incorrect. But basically, should she have left if she was a fully rational, clear-headed person? Yeah, but the whole point of all of this is you cannot escape the power dynamics. You cannot remove the power dynamics from a situation and you also can't downplay the effect of it. Right. Um, and I think that it was really interesting cause I was on Twitter when this story broke, it's like 1130 at night or something. Um, when I saw it come up and I read the article and I just felt so gross. I just felt really uncomfortable um and I could not sleep like I could not fall asleep that entire night because I was just like I don't understand what exactly it is um yeah it 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 just it it was either I kept vacillating between well I mean so much of the was it just a bad date or did he actually you know cross boundaries or was she just not clear enough or like and then I was like wait am I victim blaming because I just don't know how to process this. And then it took me a a while to realize, like, this whole, like, quote-unquote bad date, and it wasn't that big of a deal, um, and that she's, you know, ruining his life. It's not about that. It's that he clearly... I think this is where the Me Too movement kind of ends. And, 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 I mean, not that ends, but this is where it was bound to go. This question of what consent um, means. uh, What consent really looks like. Because I think... We've had, mm. there are a lot of varied definitions of what it is, like the no means mm. no, or uh, you and have the, yes the means yes. yeah, and then there's the yes means yes crowd, like instead of, instead of no means no, because you don't know how you'll react in that situation, may, instead it should be yes means, yes means yes, you look for signs of enthusiastic consent, because um, not everybody when they're scared or um, intimidated will be able to say no verbally say it, or, right. yeah exactly right, right? instead of right. verbal and physical cues of consent it should be just enthusiastic yes um but I th- what i found disturbing was just how many women came out and said this is just a bad date she should have just removed herself from the situation or why would you go to his whole why would you go back to his apartment if you didn't think this was going to happen like just going back to somebody's apartment even making out with them or even if you're mid-sex if you say no, if you're not feeling it anymore, that doesn't that that means that should end, right? Going to somebody's apartment is not consent to everything. 
I think that's the problem. I think we just have a very convoluted sense of what consent is and then also what the power dynamics are so you have and these what a victim has to feel right right a victim doesn't have to hate the person who's perpetrating right. and you the can assault or and whatever you want to call it right Clearly and you can be confused like i feel like there's a lot of like back and forth with like the role of men and women right when it comes to like courting so women are supposed to be coy and shy and play hard to get and men are supposed to be aggressive and coerce the woman and just because she said no doesn't mean she actually means it. You have to kind of convince her. Um, And I think that's what kind of happened here is just that she gave clear physical and verbal cues to him that she was not entirely comfortable what was happening. If you have to remove, move your hand five to seven times away from a dude's dick, like, that's clear indication that you're not comfortable with, with what's happening. Um, yeah. and, and then the other side of it is just, like, what he probably was conditioned to believe that this was normal behavior because this is what entitled men do. You came back to my apartment. Yeah. What did you so think was going to happen? I, I will... I will say it didn't even strike me as Aziz being an entitled man. I think... The thing that was so crazy to me about it was just how deeply ingrained the social conditioning is, right? Right. So like you said, the women are taught to be shy and play hard to get, and the men are taught, you know, it's only really worth it if you have to try a lot, right? Right. If the trick is easy, then it's not really something worth it. You should have to pursue, and you should have to, like, make the effort, and you should have to go out on the line, even when she turns you down, one, two, three, four, however many times, like, keep trying. And I think as a society, we've done a really poor job of drawing that line between quote-unquote persistence versus just, I don't even know what the other term is that I'm looking for. Like, it's not I don't know. just I think being it's just... obnoxious. It's not just being entitled. It's like this next level of complete oblivious unawareness right so some people reading that article were saying she should have left and you know she was saying things verbally but then she was still sitting there naked and like that's mixed signals as a female reading that article it was very clear to me that she was uncomfortable right right maybe in the moment I wasn't there maybe in the moment her demeanor or her language or whatever it was really was confusing to him and did give him the impression that it was consensual. But as an objective third-party female reading that account after the fact, who's never had, um, you know, knock on wood, a situation like that happen to me or a, a date go that badly, so it's not even like I was reminiscing or empathizing, um, reading that account, it was very clear to me that she was not even remotely interested and going further with it. Right. So the fact and I think it's really could, interesting that I, um, he people kept saying it was mixed signals. It, you know, like it, it was all about mixed signals. But mixed signals to me means no. Means there's a lack of consent there, right? Mixed signals means you haven't gotten enthusiastic consent. That this person is not sure what they want to do. And that means that you're not supposed to go any further than that. That means you take a step back and talk about, hey, what's going on here? What are you comfortable with? How can but that's I- exactly it, right? Our society has not taught us to take a step back at that point. Our society has taught us until she like slaps you and pushes you away right. and calls rape. Mm-hmm. You keep going. You, you keep, keep going. Trying. Right. So exactly. like, when I when I read this article or when I think about this event, 
in my head, he's very different from a Harvey Weinstein, right? I think Harvey Weinstein is like actually pathologically disturbed. I don't think Aziz Ansari is at that level, but I think the Aziz Ansari thing is more problematic. Right, absolutely. How pervasive this conditioning is in society. And I honestly don't even know what to do with it. Right. Where do you start? Yeah, that's what it is. It's endemic. And I think that's what this, this this is where it comes to. This is just the baseline of like how we talk about hooking up, how we talk about relationships or relations right we just don't have a consensus of what like what consent actually looks like and so you have this really i mean it's not it doesn't stem from the lack of uh clear definition of consent it obviously stems from like patriarchy and social conditioning and you know what masculinity femininity means but the consent piece is so fraught with just complete and utter lack of intelligent conversation. Like there's just no real consensus about it. And so you have one, I think that that babe.net article was incredibly terribly written. And I think it was a complete missed opportunity of uh, having a real conversation about this is not necessarily that Aziz and sorry is a sexual predator and that, um, you know, he's a Harvey Weinstein, but he is, basically every man you know like he's a straw man problematic too right that we need every article to be so like on point and journalistically high integrity you know what i mean like no i mean it'd be a shitty article and still bring to life this really important conversation because people have action to knock her down right but the thing is people have because there is no real there's never really been a conversation a a mainstream conversation about what consent means an article like this can't exist in in a space where you can have that kind of conversation right instead it's well it, it it's exactly what it ended up being. It was people attacking this woman, Grace, people defending Aziz Ansari instead of being like, oh, you know, we should probably be talking about the underlying issues in this article that this article presents, right? Yeah. Because she obviously felt very yeah. violated. There are clear signs of him just violating boundaries. And the fact that people have normalized it so much is what's really troubling, rather than people just like getting really bogged down with the details. And I mean, that's the thing. I think that's what bothered me so much about the Babe.net article is just like, they, why are you telling me about what she wore and how you liked her outfit? Yeah. You know, like she showed you pictures yeah. from yeah. that party that she went to. Yeah. Why are you telling me that yeah. he that she couldn't choose which wine she wanted to drink? Like, why are those it's things delegitimizing? Right, yeah. and then it leaves her In open an to, to be like more relatable. Right, and and. It just leaves her open, leaves her very vulnerable to these kinds of attacks, right? Because it just sounds kind of like nitpicky and 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 forcing the reader to draw a conclusion rather than presenting the facts and being like, this is kind of where the conversation should go. It just left you feeling gross. It really did. Yeah. Instead of yeah, like no, definitely. informed. And more so, not to say that the Harvey Weinstein and the Larry... Nasser, I still have no idea how to say his name. Not to say that that those stories weren't also deeply upsetting and right. me feeling gross and disgusting, but this this was like a whole different level, right? Because I don't think Aziz is a scumbag. 
I don't. And I, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't threatening her. He wasn't directly like using his influence over her. Like, oh, if you don't do this, you'll never mm. ever be allowed to enter a comedy show again or anything along those lines, right? Like Harvey and the Larrys and all of those guys, they took it to a very different level. Whereas Aziz, the most troubling thing is, I think he was very disturbed when he got that text message from her. And I think he was very disturbed when this article came out. And that's the craziest thing that you can have like gone through this event, partaken in that night and still sit back and be like, yo, but I thought she was down and actually genuinely mean it. Like, mean it. Right. Because he reached out to her right after that. I don't think, I mean, yeah. that's the thing is like, I don't believe that he was, trying to use his influence or his power i think it was just being a gross dude i think he was just being like every other aggressive dude would be in that situation where you're just women right you're just trying to get some and you don't really care how it happens um but i i think it wasn't so much the other thing was like how babes on it behaved after the fact right the um on their homepage they like put up an article about oh all the publications that picked up our story and like like they were boasting about how many people how many news organizations had picked it up and like had like a list of all the all the people and all the organizations that had reported on it after the fact and then um ashley banfield from cnn she's this i I don't actually watch her i just know that she came out and went on this whole tirade against grace and how basically she ruined aziz ansari's life and that she's disgusting and she makes she bring shame to real victims everywhere which is absolutely ridiculous and i'm not gonna in any way defend her remarks because i think that's terrible also, he's gonna be fine he's gonna be fine um but then okay. the actual reporter the woman who wrote the article wrote back this they they ashley banfield's show on cnn invited the reporter to come on and speak about the um article she responded with the nastiest email saying like Ashley Banfield with her terrible chunky highlights and her like like basically making fun of her appearance legitimize the entire exactly and then she's talking about oh I'm 22 years old uh I'm only 22 years old looks like I'm doing a really good job for myself like that response makes it almost invalidates the work that you've done here right and it makes me feel so sad for grace not that i believe her story any less but it makes me doubt babe.net's intentions in pursuing the story because they reached out to grace mm-hmm. grace didn't didn't reach out to them it, so uh, what is your what is your motivation to to find this woman what is your what is the motivation behind telling her story in this inc- excruciating detail um, and then responding the way they have in this really like jubilant celebratory way because they've gotten so much attention and then for you this 22 year reporter to be like yeah you your fucking chunky highlights are disgusting and no one no one my age knows who you are anyway and you're like why would you unless you were doing this just for the controversy why would you behave that way like i don't think any journalist with any integrity or any journalist who is really trying to help a victim tell their story would ever yeah. behave in that way and it just makes me really sad for grace because i'm sure she went it is she went there to 100 tell her story and properly and and then instead she's met with this ridiculous backlash because they didn't do yeah. her justice 
Totally. And they, they didn't, and it should have and could have been handled in a much better way. But I think irrespective of what their personal or as an organization, what their intentions were, it brought to light a conversation or a nuance to this conversation that you're right, we have not had in the mainstream media before. Um, I know you and I were talking earlier about the Noman Ali Khan story as well. Right. And I, I think it's really similar here, right? So um, for listeners who aren't familiar, Noman Ali Khan is a very well-known, um, I'm not going to call him a scholar because he's not. He's a very well-known Muslim cleric in the West. Right. Who's done, um, he started an Islamic education organization. I think he's based out of Dallas. And he's one of this, uh, or he's one of many in this generation of what they call quote-unquote celebrity imams. So he's this young dude. Some find him to be good-looking. I'm not of that camp. Um, but he's, like, you know, fairly young. He doesn't speak with an accent. He gives his sermons in English. So he's, like, very relatable to Muslim youth in the West and abroad. Um, he went through a semi-public divorce, I want to say, last year. He had something like seven kids with this woman. Mm-hmm. And um, he ended up divorcing her. And then a couple months ago, this big news story broke about how he was having inappropriate relations with other women, some of which were his students. And then obviously the stories started piling on and more and more details came out. And it turned out um, he was, he had already filed for divorce or either the divorce was finalized. It's not that he was cheating on his wife, right? That much is clear. They were either fully separated or divorce was already in process, something along those lines. And he had made it clear that his intention was to find another wife to marry. So people he had met through like his classes or his courses or his seminars um, or individuals who attended his institute, um, he would start kind of... One of them was actually his uh, his employee. One of them. Yeah, who worked at Baina, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I don't believe any of them were underage. I think he's in his mid third, mid to late thirties. Right. Um, so I don't think there was any under eighteen. So that element isn't present. Um, but he was basically like texting them and being flirtatious. He was sen- sending some girls um, pictures of like you know him without I'm his shirt shirtless, on. which is just <laughs> I, it's so, so gross. Not necessary to see. <laughs> And really, I think it's really a different, co- it's a similar, but it's a sim, it's the same conversation, but you have different expectations of this public figure, right? right? Because of how they present themselves in public. But it's also, that's one element of it because he has like the spiritual side. And this is the same guy who goes on stage and preaches about how men and women shouldn't shake hands right. because it leads to impermissible conduct. That's a separate conversation altogether. But I think what's clear here that people weren't really getting the gist of was there was a clear power right. disparity. Huge power yeah. disparity, right? And so even though he wasn't raping these women, even though he wasn't forcing them to speak to him. Um, I don't believe he threatened any of them um, with, like, attendance at his courses. 
he may have, and don't hold me to it, he may have said something along the lines of, like, if you go public with this, nobody will really believe you anyway. Yeah. Like, if you right. share these pictures or whatever, nobody will trust you because, like, I'm no Mona Khan. But the power disparity is what is so striking there. Right. It's just insanely striking. And he kind of clapped back at the people who broke the story and said they're doing it for public or personal gain. They're doing it for popularity. They've, like, started this conspiracy against me, whatever, whatever. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. I don't care what these people did it for. I don't care why the first guy who called him out on it wrote this lengthy Facebook post. I don't care if he did it for money. I don't care if he did it because he hates Naman Ali Khan. I don't care if he's jealous of him, whatever it is. If the facts are true, this is problematic. Simple as that. Right. I think... <sighs> what's and then, And the fact that people are defending him um even though 100 percent men and women men and women right and then that's i think that's what's so shocking is that don't don't cut down this brother what why is it but i I think that's what it just speaks to like the infallibility of anyone right just because he makes scripture relatable to you does not mean that he isn't a human being and can do fucked up things and is is somehow immune to thing uh, immune to gross shit that rich men in power do right like he was incredibly influential he's young he can re- he reaches the masses he has young women coming to him for advice he's going through this really nasty public divorce he was in divorce proceedings he had like fully separated from his wife when he was started speaking to these women but yeah. he was also um with he clear power dynamic with his employee um he had actually right. who in that position really is in a place to say no bro i'm not into you right or when right. he a, when a young girl who actually like really looks up to him and thinks he is a man of god i'm not saying he's not a man of god that's not my place to judge but somebody who puts that stock in him and now right. he's pursuing her and courting her you think she feels like she has any standing to say no nah, i'm good Right. And the fact that these women themselves were the ones who were calling him out for his behavior. Like, this is improper. This makes me feel uncomfortable. Why did you do this? After the fact, right? Yeah. Or, or they, there was one, I mean, it's so silly. It, it's silly to us, but it means a lot to the women that were in these, in this situation because they're very conservative. But like one woman was like, I, I felt very uncomfortable when you tried to, to hold my hand in the car. And I said that. You know, and it just, yeah. I just don't know if this is like the right move. And so he, you know, tried to cajole and, and coerce her, right? Um, and then even when um, he he was trying to get that employee, apparently he had a nicka with this employee. Um, and there yeah. was a sexual relationship going on uh, on top of him pursuing these other girls. So I think there yeah. is something deeper here than just him. You know, right. using his power. Right. His... In black and white terms, maybe he didn't force her and maybe she did sign those papers of her own accord. Right. But ultimately, if he's telling her, oh, yeah, like doing the snicker in secret or whatever is okay, then that's not consent, right? That's misleading. Right. In um, and then, And then, of course, that it just, it, it just, it, 
is absolutely about power and he was using his influence to talk to these girls and get them to do things that they weren't otherwise comfortable with and when he was called out did actually tell them like don't tell anybody because it'll be it won't be great for you and it won't be good for me either um and i can buy off anyone and right and he did pay one woman yeah and she the most disturbing part about all of these stories and why they're so disturbing, like, and when I say all of these, I mean, like, the Aziz and the Noman Ali Khan stories, is because I feel like this is the first level of, like, victim grooming, right? Yeah, so that's exactly what it was, right? Because it's not just, like, you just don't go out the gate, start groping people. It's a matter yeah. of, like, making sure they feel like Arvi did or any or Larry Nassar like you make the victim feel comfortable and you give them Mm. attention and um you start slowly right you ask them if they don't mind holding your hand and then it's like a little more than that and then you just go further and further until the victim just doesn't know how to say Nassar letter that he wrote during his trial where he said you know, the hell hath no uh, fury like a woman scorned, where he was trying to delegitimize oh, Jesus. all the claims by saying, oh, these women came to me for years because my methods, they were all medically sound and they worked. And so not only did they keep coming back to me, but they also referred other people to me for like years and years and decades. That was... I think the most jarring part of the entire letter to me because it shows again how like one dimensional societal conditioning is literally until somebody stabs me in the throat or like cuts my head off and says you molested me you assaulted me you raped me you did something wrong people will justify it by saying oh well she she still said hello to me she still made movies with me. She still came to my office. Right, and that was a... Wild. Right, and that's the thing about the Aziz and Sorry thing where I feel like, oh my God, like, and for me to call this sexual assault means I know a lot of women who have been sexually assaulted, right? A lot more women than I thought because I can totally see her, her thought process, which was, I feel very uncomfortable. I feel violated, but... I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, and I don't want to blow this up, and I don't want to make him feel bad or uncomfortable. So let me normalize this as much as I can in the situation. And right? I don't so, even know what I want from him, right? Right, I don't and I don't know. I don't know. I want an apology. I don't know if right. I just want to go. I don't. I'm not sure what I want to do here, and that's and I can yeah. totally understand. I can totally empathize with that feeling of like I don't want to make this a big deal I also don't want to admit to myself that this is happening and I'm I feel powerless so let me normalize it let me sit here and watch a Seinfeld episode let me just give in because I don't know what else to do until it just goes away right and hope exactly in it and then it took her it, it wasn't until she got into the car and started crying it took her to realize that she was felt violated and then weeks later I don't even months later where she was like oh that was assault that was not okay. Well, I think she messaged him the, the next, next day, was it? And that's something, like, I think that's a step that most women probably wouldn't even take, right? Because they would just continue to normalize and be like, I don't know what that was, but whatever. So the fact that she at least had the courage and wherewithal to, like, verbalize yeah, yeah, her emotions to him, I thought that was a really stunning departure from the norm. Right. Um, 
And I think that's what people got so cut up about was just like, why did she stay then? Why did she stay? Why didn't she just leave? Because in that moment, you know, you, you, it's so easy to say that when you're on the outside, right? It's yeah. so easy to be like, yeah. I would have done that. I would have just left. I would have kicked him yeah. in his face, you know, like yeah. in his balls. But yeah. you don't know what you would have done in that yeah. situation. You don't know yeah. what your response, your like yeah. response is, whether it's fight or flight. Um, and guaranteed you've been in some sort of similar situation, maybe not to that extent, maybe to a greater extent where you haven't. Right. I mean, like, exactly and I think it's that it's that social conditioning right of just like women are supposed to be warm and approachable and you're the one who's supposed to make everybody feel comfortable and here's this man who's you're into and yeah he's a celebrity and I'm sure there's a draw there whether or not we want to admit it and you just want to be cool you just want everything to be normal and cool and hopefully the night also your society you're socially conditioned to please right so your automatic default is to think of excuses for him. Maybe he had too much mm-hmm. to drink. Maybe he's going through a breakup. Maybe he's really, really into me and just can't control himself. Right. Like, immediately, as women, that's where our brain goes. And I think anybody who claims that that's not the case for them is lying. Right. And I think that's the, that's what, this I think that's where it comes down deep. to, yeah. And that's why we just need to have, I think there should just be a consensus on like enthusi- on on what consent means, and that is enthusiastic, yes, uh, verbal and physical cues that leave no doubt in your mind that this is what this person wants, and that it's not whack or lame to just check in because that's a human being and they have wants and needs, and. If you're going to pursue a relationship, whether it's just for that night or long term, you should be able to like clearly communicate what you're looking for. And nobody owes you anything. I think that's the other thing. It's just like, just because I agreed to dinner, just because I agreed to come up to your apartment, or just because I agreed to kiss you does not mean that I have consented to everything else. You right. don't. I, just you don't, because I consented to do it once doesn't mean I'm down right. 10 times in a row. Um, uh, okay, let me ask you. I am pessimistic. I don't know that we'll ever get this right for our generation. I do feel very strongly that the conditioning runs too deep. Yeah. But let me ask you in terms of how to message this to younger kids, right? So kids in middle school or elementary school, boys who are growing up now, girls who are growing up now, what do you... What do you wish you were taught? I think I I wish I was taught to speak up more and voice my feelings and opinions. I'm and in in all aspects of my life, in all facets, um, I I find myself like after a meeting where I'm like, I wish I had said more, or I wish I had said, you know, like spoken up about this issue. but I, I think that's what I wish I had been taught. I wish I had been empowered to speak my truth and not feel intimidated by other people um, and not feel like I was, my opinion didn't matter. And I think a lot of women, a lot of girls feel that way. Um, the rate of participation among girls from like kindergarten to like third grade or whatever becomes like astronomically low because they're just conditioned not to um, participate. They're just intimidated into not speaking. And then that there have been studies that show that men, when women 
part, uh, occupy like 25% of the conversation, men perceive that as them overtaking the conversation. Mm -hmm. So there's already just like, there's so many things that are stacked against you. Right, that if you... 25% of the conversation, you're only talking a quarter of the time, and yeah. they think of it as you're taking over the entire conversation. You're talking too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, just the, uh, the inability for men and women to take women seriously. I think there's just real problem. I remember reading this really great article a couple of years ago. Um, from It was on Very Smart Brothers, and this man... Just he's like we just don't trust women. We think women are liars, and he's like I see it myself with my wife, and I you know like I consider myself really progressive. But when she comes home upset about something over uh, uh, that happened at work, I automatically think right, she's overreacting, think she's dramatic. right? Instead yeah. of just listening or, or just believing her side of the story, believing that you know it was enough to get her this riled up, or that um, that I, we we just don't trust women's feelings because we've been so conditioned yeah. to think that we're all hysterical and hypersensitive. I would take it a step further than that. I think even if a woman or a man is overreacting or being hypersensitive or whatever other antagonizing term you want to throw on it, ultimately, if that's truly how they feel, like if they're not making it up for the sake of making it up or doing it as a joke, if that's genuinely how they feel, if that's genuinely how they perceive a situation irrespective of whether you agree or not, you have to give credibility to that. Right. You have to give legitimacy to that. And then the onus is on you to work with that person to understand what like the knowledge gap is or what the empathizing gap is. There. Right. I think you can but validate someone's I, experience without having to necessarily agree with it. 100%. Especially when it comes to things like this, because these situations, these power dynamics, these things are not black and white these things are so subjective right so right. I can have a conversation with you where I feel like you're in so much greater power than me you're like showing off you may have no concept of that whatsoever but that still doesn't change my perception and that still doesn't negate what I'm feeling right. as long as I'm being true to myself about it yeah somebody um, ha like there has to be some sort of meeting right and I have this uh Facebook argument with a, a friend's husband when I had posted about how I felt. Well, I think that while I thought the Me, Me Too movement was doing great work, I just, uh, it made me pretty sad to see that we had to expose the most vulnerable, humiliating parts of our lives for people to start believing us, right? To believe us, yeah. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, so, so I had gotten, gotten a response. It had to take so many women right, for to it come to out. Take people to Life. take it seriously um and then i i got a response saying oh that's not what this is really about and that men are also so um victims of sexual assault and that you can't just say this is a s symptom of patriarchy blah, blah blah and then uh, it was just so like first of all don't mansplain what me too is right <laughs> like what this campaign is because it's for me um the other part is yes absolutely men are victims but just like Black Lives Matter, because this person mentioned Black Lives Matter, like it's disproportionately affects disproportionate like, a, yeah. a disenfranchised minority group, right? So because it disproportionately affects this particular group that's historically been disenfranchised and marginalized, um, 
and no one believes them, it makes it that much harder for people who are in the status quo who benefit from patriarchy to come out and say that they've been assaulted because they don't want to be associated with this with this kind of fringe uh, yeah. crime. They don't want to be associated with that particular group because we do such a poor job of helping victims of sexual assault. Why would men yeah. come out and be like, I'm a victim when we are so terrible to the people that are disproportionately affected by it. So I think yeah. that's what you can't, and that's... But the other piece of it is this is also just a larger problem with social media in general. Like, everybody has to take a trending topic or whatever and make it their own somehow, right? So Black right. Lives Matter turned into All Lives Matter, which is fine, and you can feel that way about a cause, but like... Right now, we're talking about Black Lives Matter, so right. there's no need to one-up, right? So yeah. if your only response to Me Too is, well, men are victims of assault too, I'm very sure, very confident that they are, but that doesn't take away from this movement because it stands on its own two feet right. with or without the inclusion of male Right, and, and if your only response to the Me Too movement... Or Black Lives Matter is, oh, well, men are, or, or let's just say the Me Too movement, like sexual assault. If your only response is, oh, men are victims too, that's not enough. That's not, you're not helping anything, right? Unless you are advocating for men. Yeah, that just tells to, me you're discounting Me Too. Right. Unless that's or the only response, then they, also. Right. Because it's not like you're doing anything for those men who are victims of sexual assault. You're not making it easier for them to come forward. You're not treating them with respect and dignity. You're just using that as a weapon against this conversation. Because you have nothing else to contribute. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So I don't know. Agreed. I think it's really important to have these conversations. They are very, very difficult. And there's all, all kinds of intersection with class and race that we didn't even touch upon. Um... Yeah. And it won't be solved in our generation. Um, and I think social media helps and hinders just like in life. Um, but I think it just comes down to teaching or, and empowering young men and women um, to be able to be vocal about what they're looking for, what they want, and what consent actually means. I think you'll always have... Not always, but I think for a long time, it's going to be really hard for people not to condition, um, not to gender things, gender people and gender things. We gender things like crazy, like those fucking lady Doritos. Like, why is that necessary, right? Like, I don't think you're, we're going to solve that in like years, hundreds of years. But I think we can start with just having a consensus, a clear definition of what consent means, and then teaching men and women what that looks like. And also continuing to empower men and women, or rather boys and girls from a young age, to push back on stereotypes, right? Yeah. So boys play with trucks, girls play with dolls. No, there's no need to reinforce these stereotypes from such a young age. Right. Yeah, it's I don't. Done so much more damage than good. Right, and stop the gender reveal parties. There's... Just stop them. <laughs> <laughs> stop them. 
stop yeah, and stop preaching what modesty is doing oh geez that's know. a conversation that's a whole nother conversation yeah oh, we can have you think naman ali khan will guest yeah, 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 I'd really like to talk to him and ask him why his shoulders he's, look like that. He's done a lot of. He's, he's very sloopy. He's like modesty. Shoulders are very slipping. I uh, chest waxing. Ugh, oh, those are so just disturbing and gross. So uncomfortable. But and it's so funny so because like on a on like on the mainstream, that's nothing that looks yeah. you know like uh, if it were anyone else i'd be like whatever that's stupid but because it's yeah. no money Ali khan i'm just like that's fucking well, weird gross because even muslims were commenting being like oh this is nothing like it's not like yeah you or whatever but it's like you're muslim you know damn well this is something this is <laughs> absolutely something deal. as progressive and liberal you as i am in my life and how like a religious yeah. i am i'm still like that's fucking weird dude <laughs> that's something <laughs> that's something that's something i don't appreciate it um yeah. But, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if I, I was, and I know when we initially talked about doing this um, episode that we would, like, include a man's perspective, but you know what? I don't think we need one. There we are. What do we need it for? Um, I tend to agree. I think, I think really the problem is the most, quote, unquote, woke men are still terribly unwoke, right? Because yeah. there are certain things that because you don't experience them, you will just never understand. You will never comprehend. Right, like Aziz. And I'm a like his tired whole... of having to explain. Right, like Aziz exactly. is like, I'm a so feminist. You can be and... like a really nice gentleman. Exactly. And self-proclaimed feminist and all of these things and still be like a typical D-bag whose mother taught him how to be a man. Yeah. Ah oh, man. So what is Sorry guys, maybe next time. Yeah, I don't think there is a moral to this story. About. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's I mean it'll the next year will be very interesting. I think for politics yeah. and uh social social norms. And for fundamentalists. And for like fundamentalists. We do have a schedule. We do. And um promise we're going to stick to it although if we don't oh well <laughs> we all can really do about it uh we are still looking for graphic designers if anybody is interested um and if you guys have any feedback or any different thoughts or if you think we're completely insane or if you're a guy who would like to challenge our assumption that you are unwoke no matter how woke you are let us know yeah we i have a full uh, i have a special folder for those kinds of comments <laughs> it's a fucking trash folder because you fucking trash i don't care about your opinion <laughs> the heck will hear you out though but i'm not uh maybe i mean i also live in albany now and i don't have much <laughs> else to do so i don't know if you should be happy that i'm willing to hear you out um all right. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Yes. We will see you. I Social mean, media handles. You hear us? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, oh, wow. Do I even remember them? Okay, Instagram, I'm at Mahek Jamil. Uh, Twitter, I think I'm still at Nisi, N-E-E-C-I. I'm 
the cold shoulder cat on instagram and then on twitter i am at cold shoulder cat and i basically just retweet people i don't really have any original content but if you like comedians i just like i just like and occasionally retweet but i have to be careful because of the job so see you um at on the next episode next month Yes, Yes. next month, next month, next month. We're going to do this. We're doing it. All right. Thanks. Bye, everybody.